Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double breasted black blazer from a new to me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for, but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to About Progress. This is episode 196, Paused Dreams Are Not Dead Dreams, with Aubrey Greenan. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to guide you toward living the life you want. Each week, you'll hear interviews and teachings on how to balance self-development with self-acceptance. Listen in and join our community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. I hope you have enjoyed hearing these encore episodes throughout the entire month of August with our theme, Take a Break, because I'm taking a break from airing new episodes. There's lots of things I'm doing behind the scenes, by the way, that I'm really excited for. Uh, We get to hear from some older episodes that most of you, like the high majority of you, miss because you joined us far later. Today, you're going to hear from my friend, Aubrey Greenan. Aubrey is a very, very talented singer. She graduated from Carnegie Mellon, which you'll hear in the interview a little bit more about what the process is like to even be accepted there. But she made it through her entire uh, undergrad experience there, which is huge in and of itself. Most of the people that she graduated with are doing singing like as an opera singer or musical theater all over the world and on some of the greatest stages. 
Aubrey very easily could have been one of those people. But what she's going to share with you today is this process that she went through of slowing down and taking breaks that for her helped her see that she can have these big dreams, but for her, they needed to come in different times and different seasons. And what season Aubrey is in right now is being a stay-at-home mom. In this episode, we discuss a lot about what it means to pause one dream. And it doesn't mean those dreams are dead. That means that they are taking time to transform in different ways. Aubrey is still passionate about singing and uses it for a lot of good, and is it's still an important part of who she is, but she has a pause on that bigger dream, and it is one that she can dig out when it's the right time and season for her again. We hope this can give you permission to know that it's okay to put some dreams on the back burner when you need to, but that it doesn't mean those dreams are dead. That is up to you, and you can dig them out when you are ready. I want to remind you to send in any voice bites you have of your own learning throughout this month for our Dear Progressor episode. You can do that by recording a voice memo on your phone and then sending it into hello at aboutprogress.com because we love to hear what you have to teach us and what you've learned from the show throughout the month in our final episode of each month called Dear Progressor. So I'm an almost 31-year-old mother of three. I'm a classically trained opera singer. I teach voice lessons. I choreograph children's theater, and I love refinishing furniture and decorating and exercising and daydreaming. And I think most of all, trying to learn to be a good mom, yeah. like my life goal. Yes. <laughs> so I just had my third. So I have a five-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old, and a new baby boy. Aubrey, you have so many gifts and talents, but I want to talk about your incredible voice. And I want to know, when did you start singing? So I actually started singing in kindergarten. And my teacher, I love to sing. And my teacher um, kind of like took my parents aside and said, you know, Aubrey really seems like to sing. And she actually can sing on pitch. And a lot of the kids can't sing on pitch yet. And you might want to get her singing and so that was kind of like the first tip-off that my parents had yeah that I was going to sing and um then I started singing at church a lot I think the first time I performed really was at church for a baptism when I was like eight Mm. um and my neighbor across the street was in my congregation and she um played piano and she's played piano for me from age eight until like still today. So she would play for me and I would sing um, and we would work on songs together and we're, you know, a good team. So that, that was kind of where I started performing really with church. And then I started doing children's choir when I was probably nine. And I did that, you know, all through school and did all the choirs and all the musical things I could. So how old were you when you thought about pursuing singing professionally? So when I was about to enter my junior year in college, I had um, the opportunity to work with a choir director who had studied um, classical voice at one of the top schools. And she pulled me aside um, and said, you know, I don't know if you've ever considered it. I still remember the conversation. Like, I can picture us there because I, was, I don't know why. I, these are things I hadn't thought about. And she said, I don't know if you've thought about 
pursuing music professionally, but it's something that I really believe you could do. And she said, if you want to do that, I'd like to help you, you know, get where you need to be. And it just kind of hit me then that I, I don't think I had ever really seen that in myself, that it could become something bigger. I just like to sing, you know, and mm-hmm. I like to have fun and singing's fun. And so I'm, you know, I'm always for a good time. So I think I was just thinking of it as a fun activity. And she kind of opened my eyes, like, in that moment, too, that it could be something bigger. And I always think I'm, that's something I'd love to do for someone someday is just, like, show them how much bigger their talent is than they can see but it was really amazing and so um she started teaching me privately and preparing me for college auditions and we really you know I kind of had to play catch-up because I wasn't as polished or prepared as um I probably should have been at that age um but just I think having someone believe in me went a long way and as like a side story, I'd had a lot of thyroid problems in, in high school and um, they really can affect like your brain function. And so my grades, which had always been really good, had just like tanked. And so I went from having A's and B's to C's and D's and it was really my way to get into school yeah. through music. And so I was really grateful for that. And that way, you know, I don't know where I would have ended up without having that as a way to get my education. So you said you were, you were a junior in high school or was it college that? In that high direct- school. In high so school. it was a high school director who opened your eyes to the possibilities of your future. So that encourager. Mm-hmm. And then, oh man, I love that you told us it was your pathway to, to college too. It, it was your pathway oh, to yeah. your future. Yeah, and I had always, you know, as a younger kid, I'd always been really, like, shining in school and achieving. And so when I went through that medical issue and Mm -hmm. I couldn't rely on my grades really reflecting my success anymore, it Mm -hmm. really was, like, a saving thing to have, you know, that talent and that outlet. And I know my parents had, when I was sick, had considered, you know, taking me out of choir and kind of just, like... um allowing me some more time to rest and they decided, you know, no, this is like her joy. We, you know, we got to let her keep doing it. And then it ended up being, you know, really the path to where my life took me through college. So, so in high school, that director opened your eyes to what your future could entail. And then you had to start working towards going to a liberal arts college. And that was your path, right? Mm-hmm. So what is what but, was the liberal art college that you attended? So I went to Carnegie Mellon University, which um, is an amazing place. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a melting pot of engineers and um, singers and actors and business people and smarty pants of, <laughs> of all sorts. Um, it's It's a really neat place. Um, but they have a conservatory setting within the university. So for all of the um, performing arts kids, you really get a conservatory education, which means there's limited um, requirements outside of your field. We are mm-hmm. mostly doing um, 
classes that really pertain to our profession. So we, we're taking Italian and French and um, German and taking English diction classes, taking theory, piano, rhythm classes, sight reading classes, um, dance, acting, musical theater, um, intensives on different um, types of music and um, so it was really like you were being immersed in this um, musical world all day, every day, for hours and hours and hours. So that um, was a conservatory. That It seems like it was really hard to get in. It was. And, you know, I think I was really lucky. I mean, along the way, I, in retrospect, I see these specific teachers who saw potential in me. Um, that I think really at the time I hadn't, I hadn't really blossomed as a singer and they saw it. And, and another one of those teachers, you know, both my high school director. And then when I was um, going to auditions, I had, um, a, a teacher who, um, worked with me. It's, it's traditional to, when you go to an audition to sometimes have, um, a lesson with one of the professors there so you can see what the school would be like. And so I had um, a lesson with a professor there, Mimi Lerner, and um, she, I think, just really liked me. I was a little more relaxed in my lesson than I was in my audition, and I think um, so she saw me in that lesson, and then she was rooting for me through through my audition. And um and I really had a good feeling of that audition, and I saw that, um, you know, she was going to be someone who 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 believed in me, and um, and so you know, I got in by some miracle. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't a miracle. Mainly her, I think. And you know, you spoke about um, your setbacks of your your Graves disease, and you spoke about being really far behind your peers who were also auditioning for these really. Um, for the small space in this conservatory, what other setbacks did you face in your path to pursue singing? Um, I think, you know, first and foremost, it's just that I was behind at that point. Um, I didn't really know what was going to be expected of me, what expected of me once I got to university level. Um, but I think also, um, you know, my, my inability to see my own potential. I think that's, you know, why it was so important that there were others who kind of helped push me along the way, because I don't think I would have um, believed in myself to that extent on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think sometimes still that kind of disbelief in my own potential could stand in my way. Um, Especially, you know, being surrounded by so many incredible and talented people. Um, it was hard to see that I was good too. And I was talented too, you know, and when you're young and you're comparing, um, I remember still like going to my auditions and feeling like I had really changed from the big fish in the small pond to, you know, just, just a tiny, tiny fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> around all these really, really polished kids, especially, you know, from the East Coast where they'd been performing, you know, in um, 
like they'd already, you know, been performing in 50 shows by the time they, they got to school and they were, seemed very polished. And a lot of the programs on the East coast are, um, uh, a little more rigorous than what we have on the West coast. I'm sorry to say for, for kids, especially no, with the that. school systems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I felt, you know, behind in those ways and, um, Oh gosh, some of the classes were just, I felt completely out of my depth, music mm-hmm. theory classes, the piano classes. Um, I felt, you know, really lost in those classes. And I finally had to learn to like bury my pride and ask for help. <laughs> um, and um, just, you know, the, the stress and I think um, the pressure of being in a conservatory setting sometimes was really exhausting, yeah. I would say. Well, how many people were in your actual class when you started? So when I started, there were 20 people in my class in my um, program for classical voice. And by the end of our freshman year, there were nine of us. So, yeah, there were were a lot of. Yeah. (laughs) So that kind of gives you a picture. That gives you a picture of um, what it was like. Um, wow. You know, I don't know. I know for for the drama program, I know they say that they they let in one percent of the applicants, and I think it was maybe a little oh. broader for us, but um, a little broader, maybe three <laughs> percent. <laughs> That's but, amazing. You know. But, you know, when you look at the initial auditions by video and then the amount of kids that they let in to audition and then what really ends up being the class, it's um, a really long vetting process, I guess. And they they get down to a small group. Yeah, so there were 20 of us. And then by the end of the year, there were nine. And that was a little stressful to see some people couldn't make it through it was too stressful and some people were um kindly asked to leave the oh, program mm-hmm. so um so you definitely felt like if my head the next one's on the chopping block <laughs> you know it was tiring and I um I think the biggest thing was um it was exhausting and they really um our teachers our professors they asked a lot of us and and I think it was appropriate because that's what that profession requires. Um, but it was, you know, tiring. And um, we we would have a full day of class from 8.30 to 3 or 4.30. And then we'd be expected to practice for two hours in the studio Um on our own and then we might have rehearsal until midnight Hmm. um so it was it was really tiring and I um there were times that I let myself get too exhausted and I um struggled with anxiety I think Mm -hmm. just from the sheer exhaustion mostly you know that you, you can't run on empty forever um and the you know the pressures from everyone wanting you to succeed and perform 
um, it was tiring. The school, so Carnegie Mellon's, like, mantra, its um, motto is, my heart is in the work. Mm-hmm. And people often talked about how that's kind of like a double-edged sword because yeah. um, the climate at the school, you know, it's very successful. People are very driven, and really our hearts really were all in the work, right? But... Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're working all the time, you can definitely run yourself ragged. And I think um, that was an issue there. And it was part of the school culture. Um, people just running themselves to their limit. Mm. Um, so I did that, you know, as well sometimes. And I think I, I had to learn what my limits are. Hmm. Was there a distinct moment for you during the program where you had to face your limits and make a decision about how you were going to go? Oh, absolutely. I think um, I think it was in my sophomore year we were, we were asked to um, do a program that's put on by the students, and it took up a lot of our extra time, and we didn't have a lot of extra time. And I really think I um, exhausted myself, and there were – you know, within the class, I feel like there was a lot of fighting. People were emotionally raw because we were up all night preparing this per- preparing this performance while also, you know, going to class all day and trying to um, to make it through. And I think I that was really a time when I pushed myself beyond my own depth, and I became too exhausted. I became really anxious, um, and I had to stop and take care of myself and I had to address my anxiety and I had to address my self care, which I hadn't, you know, been thinking about mm-hmm. and, um, and kind of slow down a little bit. It was more that after all of that, that rush and that racing around and, um, the laundry list of things that I needed to do that I couldn't, you know, mm-hmm turn off my mind and slow it down in the quiet times. Um, yeah. And so I think that was, you know, being able to be, have moments of slowness and moments of quiet. It's something I really require. And I, you know, it's something I had to learn to give myself. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to know about what your goals were when you started this program. Where did you see it taking you? Where did, where did you want to end up? I don't think I've ever been one to just, you know, think I'm going to be like the star of the Met, you know, and just there's nothing else for me, you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I I was never thinking like that, but I saw a couple paths and one of them was that I would perform classically, professionally, and that for me would require, you know, finishing undergrad and getting my master's and um, doing young artist programs 
and then eventually performing an opera and performing contract by contract, which um, is kind of the reality of a young opera singer. So you might get a contract to go do a role and study it and go to Kentucky and perform in their opera and go to San Francisco and perform. So for your peers, is that where they were headed? Were they headed towards performing in operas? Was that a similar plan for them? You know, most of, at least my class, most of them are performing in opera now. Mm -hmm. Um, Although in classes past, some of the students went on just exclusively to do musical theater. Um, The program definitely pushes opera, although they, you know, give you a really excellent education in musical theater and we have fantastic acting classes. So I feel like it's, there's an opportunity to do both coming from that. So when you were nearing the end of your training, did you come to a point where you had to decide I'm going to go big with this or I, I'm going to be a little bit more balanced? What was that like for you? So I think, I think I always, I always knew I wanted to be a mother first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it wasn't a secret. I saw you know, my friends would joke, oh, you're, you're going to be the cute mom, you know. Um, even my perform- performer friends, they knew that, that I loved kids, you know, any kid we would be. Um, I love family. And so that was big for me. And I knew in the back of my mind that when that opportunity arose, that the other things were going to be secondary. Um, because more than anything, family has always been huge and paramount for me. Um, and I remember I was, um, I was at my, um, private voice teacher's house. She was fabulous. She was 83 years old and she had, um, performed at the Met for 25 years. She'd had this 25 year career. Um, and she's so glamorous still at 83. Mm. She would wear these huge necklaces and she, um, was always completely made up and she had this really deep and dramatic voice. And she was like, you know, something out of like, like some wonderful 1950s movie. She just had all of the grace. Um, and she had this really awesome apartment and she would have us all over for the studio party. Um, once a year and so she had us over and she had this um she had this great meal you know she had German family and she had some like stroganoff meal and she has like all of her china out and she's sitting at the table with us and then after she had us all sit down in the sitting room and she brought out um the photos of when she was performing and um I don't know why this makes me so emotional, this story. But um, she brought out all of her, like, glamour shots, and she was just gorgeous, you know. And there are pictures of her in these full gowns or in her big fur and in her costumes from the Met. And it was just amazing, you know. And she looked at all of us, and she said, um, I want you to know that 
and I think she's kind of referring, you know, with all of this, all this that you see, like all these pictures that my children are my best work. Hmm. And I remember just tearing up there because the program was so career driven and our school was so career driven and the work was so career driven and always in my heart and in the back of my mind, I knew that more than anything, I wanted to have a family. And I felt like that was almost a little embarrassing in that environment. Um, And so I felt so validated in that moment. And I felt so much truth in that, you know, that, everything else kind of falls away. Um, And that, you know, family is so lasting. And I think that really affirmed for me that, that, you know, that was what I wanted most of all. Ironically, for my teacher, who's (laughs) pushing for me to have this um, major career. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in that one moment, I felt like she really gave me a gift and, you know, validating that one want that I really had. Um, And so, you know, I think that really helped me to prioritize. That really showed me, you know, I love to sing. It's a passion, but for me, singing, I don't really care who I'm singing for. I don't care the size of the audience or what my costume is. I, For me, it's really the joy of singing, and that's something I can do, you know, anywhere, anytime. Um, it's not about the big arena for me, I guess. So in that moment, were you at a crossroads in your personal life about trying to make a decision? I think, you know, I think so, because I think being in that environment where, um, where success is so, you know, the ultimate, you know, having that career success is, is, is just everything anybody around you wants um, and wants for you um, that I started to question what I wanted for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm a little bit easily swayed by my environment and you have, you know, every teacher and every peer telling you, you know, performing is what you want. Then you go, yes, it is <laughs> after a while. Um so, so I do think it, it definitely was freeing, and it it definitely came at a time where I needed it, um, because it could be confusing, you know, um, being in that world and um, where everyone wants the same thing to know what you really want. So, what was the decision you eventually made? Where did you take your so, career? So I decided to, you know, continue to pursue things and pursue my education um, as long as it worked with family. Um, And I ended up um, marrying my husband and realizing that I did want to have kids young and that um, that was more important to me than 
continuing an intense professional career. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, you know, to um, at least put a hold on those things while I'm having young kids um, and kind of make a world for myself where I can still sing and perform um, in a way that um, allows me still to be home and um, be present with my children. So what does that look for you now? So, you know, it's interesting. I feel like it, um, I like what it is now and some things were kind of thrust upon me and I, um, I feel like it was good. I feel like I didn't realize how much I would need to continue performing. And then, um, some opportunities were kind of doors were open for me, um, I remember I did one show before I had my first son and I was actually pregnant with him at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a great time. And I didn't know if I would continue performing after that. And I didn't know if I'd continue teaching after I had him. Um, but I had a director approach me to do another show after he was born. And I think that was good for me because it, showed me that I, you know, still could perform and be a mom. Um, I had people approach me to teach their kids. And I feel like that was wonderful for me because it, you know, showed me I could still teach and be a mom. And um, it's been hard for me to learn to be um, to be present in my, in my teaching or my performing um, and not feel guilty about not being with the kids and then when I'm with the kids to be present with them and not be distracted by the things I need to do to teach and perform. Um, so finding that balance, um, has been one of the biggest learning experiences for me, but I feel like I'm figuring some things out as far as, you know, really being in the moment in both of those experiences. Um, but, um, yeah, that's what it looks for me. It looks like for me now, there's, you know, days where I teach and I bring the kids along. Um, and I also didn't realize how, how neat that would be for them to be exposed in that way. You know, there's so many things you, you are doing, but I, I have wondered though, for you, do you ever have those moments where you think, huh, what would, what would have been like if I had gone the fame route yes <laughs> yeah. that makes me feel I better absolutely tell do. me about that so you know and it's it's um nice to have a husband who is such a lover of the arts mm. um because I think he can a little bit understand um that the sacrifice of um, you know, why it's hard for me to look back at what could have been. I think he understands because he, he really appreciates the arts. But um, I think one of the one of the times that's really hard for me is when we go see a show. Um, when we see a show that's touring and I look at the cast and I think, I could have absolutely done that. Yeah. You know, or I'll, I'll hear someone and think, 
I, you know, I, I, I'm not good. You know, I'm, I don't think I'm one to think I'm the best or anything, but I, I definitely know what level, you know, is my level. And I'll hear someone and go, no, I could sing that. I could be up there singing that. And so, um, there have definitely been some, some tears shed at shows. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, you know, look over at my husband and say, I love this so much, but it's also painful for me to see, you know, what I could have done. Mm. Sorry, that's something that I feel too about a lot of different things that you let go of. That's such a yes, hard absolutely. choice to make. What, what gives know. you perspective? It, you said your husband, is. it's helpful to have both sides of the coin there, but what else has given you some perspective you know, in those moments? You know, what helps me really is knowing myself and knowing my limits. And I do have friends who are able to maintain relationships and even um, have kids while performing, but I don't think that I have the capacity to, to juggle all of those things at that level. I don't think I would have been able to have my cake and eat it, too. I don't think I could have handled performing at that level while having the family I wanted, so I really did have to make a choice. Yeah. Um, and everyone has their limits and some people's are greater, you know, some people can, can do it all, but I knew that I couldn't do it all. So I chose the part that I felt was what I really wanted and what I felt was the better part for myself, you know? Do you think there is a time in this season for this for you, meaning oh. um, with your career, like maybe it would be something you can still pursue in the future? Absolutely. And I think um, I kind of feel like I'm um, open to the universe and God and whatever, whatever is going to open those doors. Um, and I think, you know, when it's time, I think you, I think sometimes those doors are open for you when it's time opportunities arise. I see even, um, with the kids, the doors that have opened for me to perform mm -hmm. even locally. Um, I feel like they were open for a reason and, um, it made me feel confident in pursuing those activities and those, um, opportunities and I think as the kids get bigger if you know other doors are open I will you know walk through them mm -hmm. um but always knowing my own personal limits and what I can handle you know going back to um that time when I was in school and I think I pushed myself a little too far I don't want to do that again yeah um so for me it's about pacing myself a little bit too. Mm -hmm. So knowing what's best for you in this very season of your life. And sometimes that entails putting some dreams aside so you can pursue the ones that matter to you more for this moment. And I, and I love that about you, Aubrey, because fame is, Oh, it's sparkly. <laughs> you know, it's attractive. It's, it's what our world seems to revolve around. And, you could have so easily gone that route and had the encouragement to do that. But I think for you, 
I love that you knew yourself and your heart and what would be best for you. And, and that entailed acknowledging the limits that you felt like you needed to have in your life. You talked about your conservatories, um, or the whole college, your whole college, is it a motto? Mm-hmm. Is that what you'd say? The motto is, my heart is in the work. And I feel that singing is still that for you. It still has your heart. So I want to know what singing means to you. Oh, my goodness. Um, I feel like it's absolutely positively part of my spirit and who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just something I love to do. It's part of me. Um, and I think no matter what my, um, vocal capacity, depending on, you know, when I was in school, I was so in shape and I was singing two or three hours a day. I was in my top vocal shape, and um, now I'm lucky if I get to sing every once in a while while the kids are running around. But no matter um, how my voice sounds, it's part of who I am, and it's a joy of my life. And I can't imagine my life without music. It's kind of just like an extra limb. It's an extension of me. Aubrey, this was such a beautiful interview. Thank you so much. Thank you. I am so glad you listened to get the hug and kick in the pants you needed to grow. Let's take your learning to the next level. Print off this month's progress plan that is free by going to my website aboutprogress.com slash free. Also, join our free and private Facebook group called A Work in Progress via the link in my show notes, which you can also find on my website aboutprogress.com. And best of all, be heard on this show. Be featured on the last episode of each month that is called Dear Progressor, where our listeners really, really shine. To learn how to do this, go to aboutprogress.com slash be on the show. You do have something of great value to share with this community, and we all need to hear you. Thank you so much for being here, and remember, life is about progress, not perfection. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.